Matthew 5, 29 to 26. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Thank you, Lane. Uh, Father God, help me to unpack this uh, well this afternoon. Um, I pray that it lands and is helpful to each of us this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. So that's not my PowerPoint. That's the one from this morning. So there's one that says PM, sorry. There'll be one that will say Sermon Anger PM. Got it? There we are. Let's try that. So the first slide will say, what was the theme of last week's sermon? Who was here and who can remember what the topic was that Josh spoke about last week? Who can remember? Come on, this is a, a, not to put you on the spot. It's the passage just before this, if you've got any clues. Salt and light. If it's any reassurance, I couldn't remember and I was doing it. (laughs) And you did it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks, Josh. Yes, so the last week's sermon was on salt and light. And this is kind of a continuation of a conversation or a sermon in Matthew's gospel. So Jesus is saying, and Matthew is saying, that this is how you are salt and light in the world. It's about how you deal with your anger. It's about how you deal with topics like lust and loving your enemies, which we're going to come to over the next few weeks. Because for the next few weeks, we're going to come across some phrases of Jesus where he's going to say, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And he's going to unpack a number of Old Testament laws. And he's not going to contradict them, but he is going to explain them and illuminate them for us. Not contradicting but fulfilling and you'll find each time his move is to take it from the law and the rules to the heart and to our relationships one with another this isn't about straight legalism this is about the heart of the law and the spirit of the lord and how we relate to one another and how we treat others and jesus takes this stuff seriously And he's going to get in your grill over the next few weeks, I'm afraid. It's going to get up in front of us and it's going to get personal because we are going to deal with topics like anger and like lust and like loving your enemies. And Jesus is going to use some pretty hard language. He's going to use language about hellfire and chopping off your hands and gouging out your eyes. Everyone here got two hands and eyes? Yes, then 
We understand what Jesus is doing when he's doing this, don't you? He's using what's called hyperbole. Here's some examples of hyperbole in the English language. This homework is going to take years. This is the worst dessert in the world. I'm so confused. My head is spinning. I could eat a whole cow. Those are examples of hyperbole. It's exaggeration in order to make a point. And this stuff seems to matter to Jesus so much that he, he gets passionate. And he's using fiery language to push the point home. Today's is do not murder. One of the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament. And I guess, to be honest, most of us have probably got that one nailed. Anyone? Nothing to confess at this point? No one buried under the patio that I need to know about? But what Jesus does is he takes it from a law, which is, on one level, actually, yes, probably quite easy to follow, and actually turns it into each of our hearts and says, actually, are you bitter? Are you angry? Do you carry around resentment for another person? Because that is not the life of wholeness that God wants for you. He does not want you to live carrying around bitterness and anger and hurt in your heart. And I don't think Jesus in these words is condemning us. But he's warning us that that's not the best way to live. And that a life of anger contains its own inherent punishments, does it not? And that actually his desire and God's desire for us isn't that we live by the letter of the law, but it's that we live in freedom and liberation. And that these things that, that hem us in, that, that hold us back, that prevent us from living full lives, that we're liberated from them. And today's example is anger. Now, you need to understand that there is a difference between feeling angry and being an angry person. You get that, don't you? All of us feel anger. And it is a natural and right emotion. Um, I, I lived in a household growing up where actually anger was not expressed in healthy ways. It was always bottled up. And it's taken me a while to realise how to express anger in healthy ways. Um, it was Aristotle that said this. Anyone can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree at the right time and for the right purposes in the right way, well, that's not easy. It's a great quote, isn't it? Or as Paul puts it in Ephesians 6, be angry, but do not sin. Do you spew or stew? Yeah, stop looking at your loved ones. <laughs> Which are you? And you understand what I mean by that, don't you? Do you spew? Are you, a, are you the... I, I don't want to say anything about the fiery South American temperament, um, but, uh, but maybe. I don't want to make assumptions here. 
Are you somebody who just explodes when you get angry and rah, everyone else gets it, both barrels and then some? <laughs> or do you stew? Stew. Stew. Gonna stew. Gonna stew now. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean by that, don't you? That passive aggressive silent treatment where it all goes quiet and you know there's trouble afoot. You know, at some point it's going to come out, but it's going to come out in pots being slammed and, but not talked about. You know, neither of those are particularly healthy. Um, one of the things we need to do in life and, and is to learn to handle anger well to learn how to express it in healthy ways, how to, to take the heat out of a situation. And if you may need to pause for a moment and walk away to do that and come back and talk about it maybe later. Um, if you need help doing that, if you find you're an angry person or if you, if you live with an angry person, then actually there is no shame in getting help. Um, I remember a few years ago I went to talk to a counsellor um, just because uh, it, it boiled out of me at one stage. Um, there's still a dent in our bathroom door downstairs to prove it. I tried to patch it in, but if you look carefully, you can still see the crack. And I thought, no, that's not healthy. That's not the way I want to live. So I went and found a professional and I had a long conversation with them. And do you know what it turns out? Anger's normally a symptom rather than the cause. There's generally always something else going on that it's worth trying to find out what it is and unpack that with a professional. Um, Andy did a great job, by the way, in unpacking this in a, that particular section in a lot more detail this morning. So, um, so if you get a chance, do log into our YouTube um, page or the Facebook uh, or our podcast, which James kindly uploaded this afternoon. You can subscribe to that and get the sermons in your inbox every Monday morning. Um, do have a listen to what Andy had to say, because it was really helpful stuff. And it, I don't want to repeat it this afternoon or take too much time on that. But one thing he did say, and that Jesus says in this passage, is if you, if you are out of sorts with someone, if the relationship is broken, if it is damaged, go sort it out. In fact, don't sit in church pretending like it's not there, with your hands raised in worship with us before God, because God knows what's going on anyway. So go, find your brother or your sister that you're out of sorts with and do your best to be reconciled. And Paul says that, as far as we can live in peace with each other. Hear that, as far as we can. It's not always possible. And sometimes we have to accept that because we're not in control of somebody's response to us. But we can go and try and we can put things right. But what I think is really going on here is a bigger question. And it's a question that's going to come up throughout Matthew's gospel time and time again. And it's a question about living with integrity. Are we people who live our lives with integrity? And, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Because often when we think of living with integrity... We think of people who, you, you do what you say you're going to do. You keep your word. If you say you're going to do something, you, you, you do it. You get on with it, you commit to it, and you finish it. That is living with integrity. 
Or perhaps another way of defining integrity is you, you do the right thing even when no one is watching. So we, we live out of our values even when there's no one there to keep an eye on you. They're both good, good definitions of integrity, but I actually don't think they're what Matthew is talking about in this instance. You see, he'll go later on in this passage to, to accuse the Pharisees of hypocrisy. And the reason he's going to accuse the Pharisees of hypocrisy is because they're great at living the law on the outside, but it's not aligned with their hearts on the inside. There is a disconnect there. That they're living it all outwardly. They're putting a good shiny face. So whitewashed tombs is one of the things he's going to accuse them of later in Matthew's Gospel. Lovely and white on the outside, but stinking and rotten inside. That's the kind of integrity that Matthew is talking about and Jesus is talking about in this passage. Integrity is aligning your inner life and your outward life into a seamless, whole person. I love that definition. Integrity is aligning your inner life and outward life into a seamless, whole person. You know, sometimes, we all do it, I've done it, I've done it standing up at the front here. We have church face, don't we? Church face on a Sunday morning. I have to dredge it up from somewhere within me. I'm in a foul mood. The sermon hasn't come together. Nothing's going right. I've left the house. It's all... Kids. Wife. Thank you. You wouldn't, you wouldn't at that time in the morning when it's not coming together. And then I arrive at church and I'm the pastor. And I've got pastor's face on. And I'm here to greet you. Welcome. How are you? God bless you. Lovely to see you this morning. You know, the, the definition of hypocrisy is putting on a mask. That's where the word comes from. You talk about being a hypocrite. It was from Greek theatre. The actors were known as hypocrites because they were good at putting on masks and being other people and acting out for the benefit of the crowd. That is the root of the word hypocrite. And God does not want us to live like that. He wants us to live lives that are integrated, that are whole. The, 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 the image we project on the outside coheres with the life on the inside. Um, I remember a few years ago, I've told this story before, maybe 20 years ago or so, that the church I was in at the time, we were looking to start a Narcotics Anonymous group. And there was an open meeting in Brixton. And I got on the train and went over to Brixton to visit this meeting. Maybe 300 people in a, in a hall in Brixton come from all over. And I, you know, little old me is a bit, bit timid there. And I'm walking through from Brixton Station and there's lots of intimidating people walking around. And they all seem to be going to this same place that I was. And we wandered into this hall. And it was the most open, vulnerable, transformative experience that I think I'd I'd been in in a long time. People one after another standing up and saying, I screwed up this week. 
but I'm back and I want you to help me turn this around and do this better. And then they began, they began to give out the, um, the, the awards. You know, there was 25 years clean and 15 years clean. Round of applause. Come and get your 10 years clean. Getting a bit louder. Five years, great. You know what? The, the three people that went forward for their one-day clean badge, the place erupted. Just absolutely went nuts. I did think at the time, if only I could just bottle that and inject it into church. Uh, sorry, that's a bad metaphor, isn't it, for a drugs meeting? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Sometimes I, I just wish, I know, I know we can't do it all the time. I know that's not, I know it's not realistic, okay? I, I get this. It's not realistic to do this every week. But I just long for a bit more of that in church sometimes. Just a little bit more of, of, of the honesty. Um, you don't have to be honest with everybody, and it's not safe probably to be honest with everybody, but just with one or two people. That actually, if you are really struggling, if you happen to not believe in God this suddenly because of a number of things that happened, go talk to someone about it. God knows anyway. So let's carry one another and let's be open. And let's live lives where our interior lives and our exterior lives are here. Because, you know, there's a word for when that doesn't happen, when you live with a difference between who you're projecting and who's inside. So, uh, um, it's called cognitive dissonance. And it's really bad for your mental health. So actually, what I think this is about, this passage, is about living as whole people. God knows anyway. And God can handle it. And what Jesus wants us to be is people who are the same inside and the same outside. Because that, friends, is liberation. That is a way to live that is free. Because, you know, it's just you then. It's not those layers of complexity. So I think that is what is going on in this passage. And I think that is what Jesus wants for us. When he says, do not murder, we can do that. That's the outward sign. That, that's easy. You know, let's not, we're not going to go around and murder people. Well, I hope none of you are. But actually, what's it like on the inside? Are we angry people? Are we bitter people? Are we holding on to stuff that we really need to sort out? Because then our inside needs to cohere with the outside. And then we're whole people. And we're going to look at a number of topics over the next few weeks that lead us into this life of wholeness, of freedom and of liberation. But often it starts with the uncomfortable step of being honest with someone. Um, there's an old-fashioned word for that in church. It was sometimes called confession. And the priest would hear your confession. If you wanted to talk to somebody, Andy and I would hold your confession confidential to the grave assuming it's not harmful to another person or puts another person at risk, we would, we'd be gladly to hear you get stuff off of your chest, turn, face, and, and be liberated and live in the freedom because God longs to forgive and longs, us to, longs for us to live the whole lives. Does that make sense? Why don't we close our eyes?
Lord God, we confess right now that we often put on church face. Lord, we come into this building um, with challenges in our lives, challenges in our families, challenges in the workplace, internal challenges and struggles in our own lives. And yes, I know it's not appropriate for them to come out and spill out every time, but church is a place where we should be able to find that radical honesty with at least someone. And where we walk that path towards liberation and freedom and forgiveness. That place of wholeness where the image we project to the world outside coheres with our hearts and our passions and our desires and our internal. And, and, and we ultimately see other people in the image of Christ and treat them accordingly. And that we know that we are loved, beloved of God, children of God, forgiven, redeemed, set free. So Father, help us to live into that life of wholeness. Um, forgive us, shape us, Transform and renew us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Andy and I will be around after the service. Um, we'll hover in here for a little while um, while there's tea and coffee going on. If you want to pray with one of us quietly, either in here or somewhere more private, we'll be very happy to pray with you after the service.